0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to
1: the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon, Brian Murphy, and Eric Lopez with you uh, as it is that we are now in May, boys. We are winding down the spring. We're going to be heading toward our summer sessions here, but there's still lots to talk about with uh, UCF sports. Uh, not the least of which we're going to be talking about today is uh, the NFL draft and the un- and the race for all the undrafted free agents. We'll be hitting upon that. Uh, Jeremy Brenner is going to be joining us to talk about that. We'll also talk about, well, can we call it basketball free agency, Brian? Absolutely. Okay, well, we'll call it basketball free agency with uh, with going through. Hey, UCF had a lot of cap room this summer. Let's just say that. Oh, come on. And uh, and uh, plenty more as he's well. Joking, We're gonna be talking about the way, for baseball.
0: the record. Jeff's softball. joking. He's making a bad salary cap <laughs> joke. He's, he does not. He's not making any uh, assertions there. Okay. Money,
1: money under the table, jokes talks, Come on, Jeffrey, yeah, stay above money, board. Money talks, baby. Money talks. Um, and we have, uh, and we'll talk baseball, softball. And also tennis, both tennis teams getting into the NCAA tournament uh, in the same year for the first time ever, which is kind of surprising to me. So uh, we are Black and Gold Banneret, UCF's home on the SB Nation Network. You can follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret, and UCF underscore banneret on Twitter. Follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez Elo, and spokes underscore Murphy. All right, let's get to work. UCF, we were talking about the uh, NFL draft coming in. We thought one player would get drafted, uh, and we turned out to be right about that. It was Tristan Hill. We had hopes that somebody else would, but it didn't work out. However, um, several, indeed several, UCF uh, players were uh, either invited to rookie camps or signed undrafted free agent uh, rookie contracts. So uh, to start off, well... Tristan Hill was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys uh, in, with uh, pick number 58 in the second round. Uh, yet again, UCF with a, uh, w- with a pick in the top three rounds of the NFL draft. And then, uh, of course, we had several other guys sign uh, as well. Richard Causey with the Atlanta Falcons, Wyatt Miller with the New York Jets, Matthew Wright with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Dredrick Snelson with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then the invitations to training camps went to Mac Lattermilk with the Buccaneers. Kyle Gibson with the Ravens. Michael Kolubiali to Jacksonville, which is no surprise. Taj McGowan had his choice of places where he wanted to go, uh, either the Giants or the Jaguars. He chose the Giants. Woohoo! Uh, and then we also got uh, late word Pat Jasinski. Uh, Eric C. Henry from uh, Underdog Dynasty was all over this one. Pat Jasinski uh, will be with the Atlanta Falcons in their uh, rookie camp. And, uh, and I think it, and, and the Taj McGowan stuff actually came down. Uh, later. I think we're still waiting on are we still waiting on Titus Davis is that it Brian
2: yeah but I mean uh, you would assume he'd be signed by now uh yeah, yeah I, I, I am I mean I, I said on this podcast we had we had a, we had a decision of who would be the second guy picked if you were to choose a second guy and I said Titus Davis uh, uh well Titus Davis and Wyatt Miller and I'm so I'm I'm kind of shocked that the that Titus has not signed. Uh, don't know what's going on there, but uh, no, no, uh, no word on Titus Davis's uh, football future.
1: You know who does know what's going on? Jeremy Brenner, and he joins us now. He, uh, in addition to his duties for us, uh, he is also with Battle Red Blog, which is uh, which is the Houston Texans site, and is also uh, for
0: condolences. Uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> uh, and also and also works for the Houston uh, Rockets site, Dream Shake. So, Jeremy, what's going on?
3: I'm I'm good, Jeff. It's always uh, happy to be here with you guys. Uh, y'all are like my older brothers in a sense.
1: So, <laughs> and and anything we can do to get your mind off the rockets, right? now.
3: Oh, so. absolutely. <laughs> so,
1: um. All right, let's talk about some of the. Uh, let's talk about Tristan Hill first of all. I mean, you. Um, like we were talking about earlier, no surprise that he goes. Uh, that he goes in the second round. No surprise that he went to Dallas. I think there was a lot of chatter coming out of Dallas that we, they were really enamored with him. Um, as someone who keeps an eye on the NFL and particularly the NFL in the state of Texas, uh, it, it, what do you think about the fit? Is he going to? Are we going to see plenty of Tristan Hill on Sundays this fall?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I think Tristan. The the good part about Tristan is that he's in a place to where he has a chance to uh, contend for uh, playing time. Um, and he will definitely be uh, a part of that defensive line. He's not going to be one of those healthy scratches for 16 games this season. Uh, he will see some playing time, although, you know, not this ne- might not necessarily be a starter, although that is a very, very stacked defensive line that he is joining. He's going into the room with Demarcus Lawrence, with uh, Tyrone Crawford, uh, and that's just, you know, the the heap of the of the mountain. And uh, it's a very deep room, but Tristan Hill will be able to hold his own, and he'll be able to uh, learn from some of the very best uh, linemen in the league, and he'll be able to hopefully uh, stuff the run for them. And, you know, I think what's important to note here is that Dallas, it was their first selection in the draft, which right. goes to show you, and usually... More often than not, most teams use their first pick on their biggest need and for a team to entrust you with their first draft pick that's got to be that's got to make you feel pretty special and you're you're coming in as the uh, highest touted rookie um, so Tristan's gonna have uh, big shoes to fill but I do believe I do trust that he's in probably one of the best Spots he could possibly land in. Uh, I know that at Pro Day, uh, Rod Marinelli was running uh, the defensive lineman drills, and he was particularly enamored with Tristan. And, like, he would call, um, from what I heard from other people that were there, he would call other linemen, like Titus Davis, he'd go by their last name. But with Tristan, it was Tristan. It wasn't Hill. And, they, hey, Tristan, come on. But, uh, hmm. and I think that that's a sign of. You know their uh, relationship, I guess, and they they kept in touch throughout the draft process. And then Rod Marinelli helped the Cowboys lead him to the first selection, and the Cowboys dropped.
1: Going to get a pretty, um, pretty solid, uh, uh, from what I can tell, pretty solid uh, cash in as well. I'm looking at the and I'm looking at the NFL's uh, the 2019 draft salary slots, which. The NFL does that now. Basically, your salary is slotted based on where you got drafted. And at number fifty-eight, Tristan Hill is getting uh, well his cap number in year one is going to be eight hundred eighty-six thousand dollars. You know he's going to be making about about uh, on average a little bit over a mill a year for those first four years in that rookie contract. So once he gets signed, it's it's going to be a pretty good um, pretty good clip for him.
3: He definitely Uh, made the right decision to leave when he did. Yeah, I think he, I think yes, he did, too.
0: absolutely. And, 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 look, I think we all agree. He was by far the best talent of all these guys that were eligible for in, in the draft, right? I mean, nobody's Not really close. surprised. I mean, it, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. the question with him was never on tape when he was on the field. He, to me, when every time I saw him on the field, he stood out. Now, you know, Brian and Luke brought up, oh, I guess the what the red flags. Is that the new term now we use in drafts, like the red flags each player has? Uh, Brian you I know you guys brought up the, the red flags about him but nobody none of the red flags were necessarily what the talent was right
2: right so we're talking purely a football standpoint of what he can do on the field when he's fully invested uh that that is undeniable and that is a very high ceiling player there he's got first round talent first round athleticism uh first round upside and that's why I, you know I kind of think you saw the Cowboys were so eager to get him there at 58 Um, because I think a lot of mock drafts had him falling into the third round. I think a lot of people had him falling into the third round, but um, this can still be a huge deal for the Cowboys because yes, if Tristan uh, is in the right mental mindset and and has Rod Marinelli and that Cowboys coaching staff to get him fully focused and committed to the job, uh, he can be a steal.
0: And let's be yeah. and let's be clear about this. By the way, for the record, it's not like he's a bad guy or anything. I mean, you
1: know, he's, he's a twenty-one-year-old kid.
0: He's a twenty-one-year-old kid who went from what? How many coaching changes did he go through in his career? What?
2: Two. Uh, we well,
1: well, had two. Yeah,
2: two. two but he also bro. had, he had, he, he had and, and, think, yeah. But the uh, issue was not the co- was it, it was the, I don't think the issue was the coaching change. It was the alignment change. It was the base. Yeah, yeah philosophy. Change. Right, yeah. right. That was the, the problem. The,
0: from, from going from, what, a 3-4 to the 4, you know, so there are some Correct. differences there, and, and that tends to happen sometimes when there's coaching changes and players in any, either in college or pro, so I don't expect that to be an issue, maybe uh, in the NFL, I think he's going to be fine, I think he'll flourish in the NFL, because I think they have a certain role for him in mind, and I think he'll, I think he's going to be really good, I, I always like well, him. Uh, I, think, I, think, I thought he was a big factor in, in some of their big wins in the last couple of
2: I years. Think, I think it helps Tristan that, that he has seen, no matter his initial skepticism, he has seen how productive he can be in a 4-3. Yeah. He was far more productive as far as numbers, just pure numbers. He was far more productive this past season than he was in Scott Frost's 3-4 with uh, with Eric uh, Shenander. Uh, the Cowboys do run... The Cowboys have a lot of like nickel sets, so they'll run 4-2s like, and 3-3s three because they put a lot of of DBS on the field. But I think with the way that Tristan played last year in the four, three, I think that gives him comfort to know that he, while, while he might've thought previously, otherwise uh, he is not just a, he is just not a, a, a three, four nose tackle. He does not have to be at the middle of the line. He can line up uh, off a guard, off the center and, and work either way. And so I think he'll fit in. Well, It's just, you know, it's about, it's about commitment too. it's about practicing hard. These are things that Tristan had problems with, Practicing hard, practicing consistent, consistently hard, uh, knowing the playbook, just being smart uh, and, and giving and then and then giving consistent effort uh, on the field when things aren't well, some going of that your is, way.
0: Jeff brought up. He's what, 21 years? He's some of that is immature. Right. Um,
1: so, sure. Yeah. I think here's the thing. Yeah, you're like you said, you're he's a professional. You're playing with live ammo and you're getting paid a lot of money to do this. So I, I I do think he's in a good spot. I I know that if, you know, Rod Marinelli is as invested in him as Jeremy, you were alluding to. I think that's a good sign for him because he'll have that sort of stability that I think he's looking for. I want to talk about the undrafted guys, because this was a really good week for undrafted players from uh, UCF. And, and, you know, some detractors might say, Oh, look, you only had one draft pick. Well, that shows how much talent's coming back. Um, I rattled them off on the early part. I'm going to go with each of you guys and just give me a sentence or two, Eric, uh, on uh, on which of the undrafted guys do you think has the best chance to make the roster of the team that brought them in? So, Jeremy, I want to start with you.
3: I'm going to – so, basically, if we take away the guys that had the – if we're looking just at the guys that have – actual training camp invites right now. So that's Nelson and yeah. Causey and Matt Matt Wright and
1: those, Well Wyatt. those four guys are actually signed to undrafted contracts, but the other four, so Mac Lattermill, Kyle Gibson, Michael Kulby, Ali Taj McGowan, they all have training camp invites, but they haven't been signed to contracts.
3: Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Um but I'm gonna stick with what I originally thought um I think just because of fit, um, I'm going to go with Dredrick Snelson. Uh, okay. Wide receiver is a big need for the Jacksonville Jaguars, with, especially with the new quarterback. And they did not draft a receiver, which is the big thing. I would say Richard Causey, but the Falcons drafted two corners on top of that. So for that reason, I'll go with uh, Snelson.
1: Uh,
2: Murph, go ahead. I like that pick a lot. I thought about Selson for a long time today because I figured this question would be asked. However, uh, I, I not I'm not allowed to take I'm not. I'm saying I'm saying about Selsen. I, I, the reason why I wouldn't I didn't pick him is actually because I feel like I feel like he's going to be just being a slot corner or slot a slot receiver. Excuse me. So with with Marquis Lee, I just don't understand how that how that's going to, to work a whole, a whole lot. Uh, you're so assuming I, that Marquise
0: Lee is going to stay up for like two yeah, games without getting you know. for leg, <laughs> yeah.
2: right? I understand. Yes, I understand. But he is—he is probably the best receiver when he's not injured, even though he is injured quite often. Uh, so I will actually go—I uh, will actually go to the same team. And first of all, I will like, say thank you, thank you, Richard Causey, for shi- for signing a contract that is makes me so happy because I feel like he got no pub at all last year, and there was the one guy I said on this podcast last week. That I really want to see signed was because he earned it with the way he played against Cincinnati and Memphis in the, in the championship game and, and later on in the year. And so I'm so happy for him. But I will say that one guy I think has a chance to really stick probably Michael club with the same team in Jacksonville. They have basically nothing in terms of uh, offensively, you know, guys who can really produce uh, yards and catches from the tight end position. Uh, he's a move tight end. Uh, he can block pretty well, but he's got enough athleticism to be a, a guy you can line up in the slot and run down the seam or run posts. Uh, so I think he can work there in Jacksonville basically because they have a huge need at the position he plays.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I, uh, Eric, go ahead.
0: No, I'm with Murph on Causey. I, I liked him. And you can't go wrong with UCF and defensive backs, right?
1: Right. I mean, right, right.
0: Mm-hmm. In the NFL. I mean, and let me just say this about Snelson, because I know some fans are like, you see? You should have stayed, come back for another year. You know, that teaches you a lesson. Right. And let me tell, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you guys. You all chime in on this. Even if Dedrick Snelson comes back, I don't think his stock improves at all. Uh, I think he was capped out. Remember, there's a ton of receivers on the UCF roster. It wasn't like he was going to be a featured guy. It's regardless of who you believe is going to be the starting quarterback and how you feel about him. They're not going to be at the level of McKenzie-Milt, right? So there's going to be a drop-off. How much? I don't know. But there's going to be a drop-off. So, and this year's draft was actually not as strong from a wide receiver standpoint than compared to last mm-hmm. year. So I don't think he made a mistake by some people leaving. Sometimes you just got to go. You know, and some guys just want to get paid and play. The thing that I feel sorry for guys like Snelson and, and other football players when they made this decision, when they made this decision at the time, you had the alliance that was starting. You have the XFL next year, and then you got the Canadian Football League. So just because if things don't work out in the NFL, you had other options. Now, unfortunately, the the alliance, as we've discussed, obviously is no longer around, and we don't even know what's going to happen with the XFL. But the Canadian Football League is around. Sometimes you just move on, and you just want to play pro football and get a paycheck.
1: Yeah, you mm-hmm. know one of the interesting things I learned about the CFL is that if you if you get signed to a CFL team out of college, you have to commit to it for two years. I didn't realize that you can't go to the NFL after one year. So, um. Now I was I was about to say Richard Causey, not just because of the reasons that you guys illuminated, but also, you know, they lost Robert Alford and Kamal Ishmael, who a former UCF uh, a UCF Knight himself has been in Atlanta for a long time, um, kind of bounced in between, you know, the the starting secondary and special teams. Well, he's moved to linebacker this year. So Atlanta right there is down two key defensive backs heading into this year. They need a DB help, and I think Rashard Causey is great. But that's not where I'm going to go. I think <laughs> the guy who has the best chance to make his team is Matt Wright with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'll tell you why. We know that, kicker, that, that Pittsburgh is where kickers go to die. But <laughs> last year, all right, they had Chris Boswell, who in the first 15 games was 13 for 20. Awful by NFL standards. Um, He was injured. He was IR'd the last game. They brought in somebody named Matthew McCrane, who played, you know, who made, I think, two kicks, two or three kicks in their season finale. But the Steelers were Matthew McCrane's third team that season. So (laughs) you're not going to get great consistency for him. Um, If Matt Wright can prove himself kicking in off of that God awful, horrendous turf that they have in Pittsburgh. Uh, he may very well be their starting kicker uh, on Sundays. No slight to all the other guys, but I think that if we're talking about like who, who's got the highest probability um, right now, to me, it seems like Matt Wright would be the guy uh, in Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh. And of course I'd love to see him. And if not, guess what? He's going to go work for Elon Musk or something. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. One way or the other way. I want to go back to Jeremy. Last question. For you, um, we touched upon the surprise of Titus Davis really not getting signed. Um, and obviously, there were a couple other guys. I want to look ahead to 2020 because, just real quick, um, because this is where things are going to start to get interesting. Where those guys were that first came in under Scott Frost are going to start going, uh, if I had to ask you who would be the highest-picked UCF Knight in the 2020 NFL Draft, who would it be?
3: That's tough, Jeff. Oh. I know.
1: That's why, that's uh, why I'm here, man. It's,
3: I love I, this, is, this is my draft class. Can I be the first pick? Go I'm going to walk on this year. <laughs> I'm going to walk on. Yeah, or you could be a dra- not grad transfer. transfer. I'm the quarterback. Um, I'll be on. Okay. Um... To, to be totally honest with you mm. here, the person that stands out to me is the person that like will definitely get drafted. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say he'll be the first person off the board, but I think the person with the highest chance of getting drafted is Jordan Johnson. And the reason why I say that is because he is... He's been the most consistent starter. He hasn't really played any bad football here. He's going to get another year um, where he starts, you know. Yeah. And he's just been a really good, and he's a center too, which you don't see a whole lot of. Um, and he can also play guard. He can maybe even swing out to tackle, although I'd keep him on the inside. Um, Jordan Johnson is definitely, you know, as if he can stay healthy and if he can, you know, stay on the trajectory that's been on. I think he could be, like, a good mid-round selection.
1: I'm so glad you picked Jordan Johnson. Uh, Real quick, uh, uh, Murph, what do you think?
2: Richie Grant.
1: Richie Grant. You know, the NFL, he's the highest guy in the NFL's, uh, in the NFL.com's, I think, top 100 for 2020, which I think was
2: interesting. Right. I think I saw another list. He was uh, among the top. Well, I think that was a college list. But regardless, uh, yeah, Richie Grant. I mean, he actually could have come out this past year. He was a redshirt sophomore. So, three years out, he could have come out. Actually, it would have been, wouldn't not have been a bad idea for him to come out, considering I, I don't think it was a great class for safety. Uh, but coming back, uh, if he does what he did last year, which is basically put himself into the conversation for like the Jim Thorpe Award uh, and, and do that again, yeah, he's going to be taken in the first uh, two days. Hilo?
0: Uh, unfor- I got to agree with Murph. I mean, again, defensive backs, UCF, and the NFL have a good history and a good relationship. So yeah. I'll go with that. Let me throw two names here. Trey Nixon and Gabe Davis, wide receivers, both juniors. You know, Nixon, 6'2", 180s, redshirt junior quarters, came from Ole Miss. Gabe Davis. Uh, if one of them has a big year, kind of like a Traquon Smith type year, maybe they get a high draft pick, no?
1: I you kind of stole my guy. I love Gabe Davis. I, I yeah. really think that he he if if he comes out, I hope he doesn't. But he's the kind of receiver that NFL teams will just salivate over. He's got great speed downfield. He's six foot three, two hundred and twelve pounds. Um, if he has another a big year like he did this past year, if he improves on what he did. Um, boy, he's going to be something else in the net at the next level. I really do think that Um and and again, he'll have a actually good opportunity to to figure that out with all the quarterbacks who might be in the mix. All right, Jeremy Brenner, thank you so much for uh, for joining us to talk to some of these guys through the NFL draft. Uh, real quick, Rocket People, man,
0: make this a <laughs> series, all right, man. Please,
1: Rocket...
3: make... Seven, y'all. <laughs> Wait,
1: listen, don't, don't, don't give up. Fear the beard. Where, where can where can people send their bad rockets takes to you? They can send their bad rockets
3: takes to me at Jeremy Brenner. That's J E R E M Y B R E. N-E-R.
1: And how many more days of school do you have left?
3: Uh, I've been actually, you know, I, the, the Widowmaker ended two weeks ago, actually. Okay. Uh, but I'm still in recovery. I'm still in recovery. Um, I know,
1: it's going to take a while. It's don't call me lie.
3: for at least a month. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I will, I'm, I'm glad to be on my summer vacation, but also uh, hoping that this summer is, uh, an effective and
1: meaningful one there you go well we'll be well we're going to try our best to uh, in spite of ourselves to try and make it that for you as well <laughs> Jeremy Brenner joining us here <laughs> on Black and Gold Bannerette thanks again Jeremy thanks Jeff alright folks stick around when we come back we'll talk uh, some some basketball uh, and uh, some transfers coming over to Johnny Dawkins for UCF for the UCF men's team stick around the Black and Gold Bannerette podcast is back after this All right, welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Blackandgoldbanneret.com, UCF underscore banneret on Twitter. Let's talk a little men's basketball. Um, The uh, roster is filling out Brian Murphy and Eric Lopez um, with the addition uh, earlier today, officially, of uh, a local kid, Matt Milan, who played his high school ball. At Oviedo High School, uh, graduated there in 2015. Went to Boston College for a year, then transferred to William and Mary. Uh, finished up his junior year at William and Mary, and then, uh, but actually graduated and and is now a graduate transfer. He is coming back home. He's coming to UCF um, to fill uh, to fill out one more roster spot, one more scholarship spot for Johnny Dawkins heading into uh, 2019, um, 2020. Some of the um, Information about Matt, you know, he's actually a very good shooter. Always has been going back to his days at Oviedo. He was 42% from three-point range uh, last year. Uh, And uh, including, uh, and and he's played uh, three seasons of 30 games each. Uh, He started all but three games uh, the last two seasons at William & Mary. He is a 42% career three-point shooter. Um, and certainly will help to fill some of the holes left by uh, by well, I, I guess to to some extent, BJ Taylor's outside shooting and Aubrey Dawkins is outside shooting, and he's kind of a callback to Matt Williams in a way. He's a lefty, um, six foot five, so uh, so we know that he's pretty big. He told Despina Barton of uh, Spectrum Sports three hundred and sixty. He said, "Coming home, family, seeing every game is cool for me. Coach Dawkins has turned the program around, and I want to be a part of it." So. Um, that's certainly a big, a big endorsement, uh, in addition to some of the other guys who filled out, um, the roster, including you mentioned, uh, Brian Dayson Ingram, who comes over from, uh, who comes over from Alabama and will likely be the point guard for the team. And he's pretty big himself at six foot five. So, we're seeing this thing sort of fill out for Johnny Dawkins, Brian. What do you think you about this? You well, I'll be these guys who are oh, t- boy, I feel it. like they, we, and now they I'll play. give up I'll, I'll my time. I'll, I'll cede my time
2: to the gentleman, no, uh, Mr. Murph, Lopez. No,
0: wait a minute. Wait a minute, Merv. Don't you remember? I don't remember. It was a couple episodes ago where Jeff's throwing the panic button. Him and Knights fans like, what are we going to do? We don't have a roster. We got nobody to play with. Oh, my God. The sky's falling. At the what time happened? it was. Was it? Because I got to tell yeah. you something. I like this roster. And there's going to be some guys, not next year, but I think in a year after next year, this team could be just as good as this past year's team. I like the roster. I, li- I saw Dave That, is, we're that is some
1: flaming hot takery right thank there, you. baby. Well, thank you very yeah. much. My computer's Seriously. on fire.
0: Let me just throw this out. Tony Johnson, the freshman kid out of Alabama, a better <laughs> prospect than B.J. Taylor was coming out at this point. So let's just go with that. Because right? for all you amateur recruits, they're like, well, I don't know if Coach Dawkins can recruit, you know. Also, we have to understand in the new age of college athletics, especially in basketball, you're not going to feel like the days of, hey, everybody in our class is all from a high school class. It's over. You're going to see guys depart, like we did with Tony Allen going to Georgetown. and You're going to see guys come here, like we have this offseason. So for anybody to freak out and panic, like, Oh, my God, all these guys, we're going to be rock bottom. We might not win five games this year. He was going to fill out a roster. It's going to be a roster with talent. It's going to be a roster with young talent. Are they going to have their ups and downs? Yeah, but they've got size. They've added a shooter in Milan. They've got guards. Let's see how they play together. That's all I'm saying. I'm excited by some of these young guys. They have a lot of upside. They're very young, but I think, and Murph has said this, I think we all knew next year was going to be – this up past, uh, upcoming year was going to be a rebuilding year. And you hope that these guys grow into the potential and get better as the year goes on. And then you can make another run at the NCAA tournament the year after that and make a two- to three-year run. Right, Murph?
2: Yeah, but there, first of all, this team will not be – it will be young, but I don't want, I want to stress it won't be as young as you seem to, to portray it to be. Milan and, and Ingram are here for one year. Uh, they are grad transfers who can play immediately, so that's fun. Uh, they are stopgaps <laughs> They're, they're stopgaps. They Correct. are, they are, they are. They're basically, they're basically bridge panels uh, to the next generation of UCF players, meaning Tony Johnson, Darren Green, uh, guys like that. So,
0: which is really uh, the nucleus for the future, really. I mean, there's right, no, exactly certain guys just, you build for the future, and then you have some stopgap veteran guys to help you kind of in the meantime.
2: So what? UCF is trying to do this is still again this is still a rebuilding year what UCF is trying to do is sort of just hold the fort uh, for this year and, and then sort of kick the can down the road to next year where the young kids you know might get some playing time and get a year year, basically just a year around the college game under their belts and get to experience the college game and then they start playing more and more as sophomores in the 2020 season 2020 2021 so uh, or excuse me um where, what, what year is it? Uh, anyway. No, you got so, that right. You're good. Yeah, I did. I did, I did get that right. So I do want to say, um, I, I think these, I, I don't mind these signings. These signings make a ton of sense. Uh, you needed a point guard after Terrell Allen left for Georgetown. I don't think we mentioned that. He's officially uh, uh, in Georgetown now. So That's correct. You've got you've got that point guard in, in Dazon Ingram. Uh, you need a shooter with uh, BJ and Aubrey gone. You've got that now in, in, the, Oviedo, uh, in the Oviedo zone, Matt Milan. I think there is one scholarship spot remaining, and I think that will go to another guard. If I had to guess, I I have no names. Don't ask you for names. Uh, There are a ton of transfers who are still out there, big, highly rated transfers, but I would not look to be like, I don't think Yusuf's going to sign one of the the big dog guys in the the transfer window, but what they will sign is another guard because even with Ingram, they probably need another sure-handed ball uh, handler, a facilitator a guy who can move the ball around because if you look at the roster right now, besides Ingram, who's good at that, you have Cesar Jesus, who's really not really a point guard. He's really not a passer. He's a driver. And then you have Tony Johnson and Darren Green and they're freshmen. And I just don't know what you can expect out of them. And I don't think they want to expect, I would assume they don't want to expect a whole much out of them uh, in their first year out. So I think with I Johnson, think,
0: they do though, though Murph, I mean, one of them has to be, I think Johnson's the guy that probably needs to you know kind of like bj taylor did in his freshman year where you you know goes through his ups and downs but you know had a good freshman year
2: if johnson plays he probably plays i assume a very heavily limited role of about 10 minutes a game that's that's, that's, that that is yeah that is my that is my assumption well, Luke,
1: Luke Saras actually brought up a great point. He said, "Yeah, Twitter I know what you're going to say, I know, I know you're going to say, Jeffrey, and it is a great point." So go yeah, ahead. Yeah, he said, uh, "This is quoting uh, Savage Luke on Twitter." He says, uh, "At some point next season, UCF starting five could consist of all transfers." And he yep. mentioned of Locke, who came over from uh, from TCU. Um, people forget, um, but it's true. Colin Smith was a transfer from George Washington. Um, he didn't transfer this year, but he is a transfer from somewhere. Uh, Ibrahim uh, Famuke Dumbia, uh, who came over from South Carolina, could be the three, uh, and then you have Matt Milan at the two and Days Ingram at the one. So, you know that's that's a total overhaul. <laughs> in, and, in and that
2: top. lineup, that lineup would not surprise me, especially once we in the conference play, because again, a lock will not be available until the end of the fall semester. Right, right, but
1: uh, hey, hey, again.
0: It's a young team, and here's the thing. This is college basketball in the new century. I think we're going to have to wait. Instead of reacting in March and April about the roster for next year, you're going to have to wait because there's going to be some additions and subtractions like this. And and Murph said it. They're not done yet. They're not done yet. They're not. No. How about we just give the – I don't know. This is a crazy idea. Let's give the coach a benefit of the doubt or know what he's doing. And just because you may not – you know, hey, he's not a high school freshman. I don't know what he's a two-star, a one-star, a three-star – and we just give the guy a break to fill out his roster? You might be surprised. It might be pretty good. I'm pretty optimistic. I, I, I like what I'm seeing. I'm excited to see the young players. I'm actually a little more higher up on the freshmen than Murphys. We'll see. We'll, me and her, him will disagree, agree to disagree. We'll argue at the basketball games. We'll check the box scores. But it's going to be exciting to see what happens. Let's give them the, the benefit of the doubt instead of like, oh, my God, let's throw the panic button.
1: Well, I mean, I guess, I guess, with all these guys coming into UCF as transfers, I think we can officially put to bed the Johnny Dawkins coaching rumors. I think that's a good thing.
2: <laughs> uh, well, yeah, also because every job in college hoops is filled. So, yeah, there you go.
1: So, yeah, we can we can put that story to bed now. Well, uh, well hold
0: on, Murph. Wait a minute. You say that, but uh, I disagree. the FBI uh, the whole trials. I'm sure is going to wrap up. There could be some casualties from that.
1: No, there won't. No, there won't. Oh I think Sean, no! I think Sean Miller. Sean on.
0: Miller. There's on tape that Sean Miller paid uh, eight and like ten thousand yeah, dollars.
2: Yeah, but, but Will Wade's already. Will Wade's already back at LSU. I feel. Like- yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? What? Watch wait, wait,
1: Sean wait. Miller get a raise?
0: <laughs> All right, just mark it down.
1: All right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. So that'll wrap it up on basketball. I wanted to touch upon that. Um, the other big story that happened this week. Finally, what? Real
0: quick on the Alabama kid Ingram. He played against UCF. That's true. Uh, in November when UCF beat Alabama uh, at had, uh, had 18 minutes, four assists. He fouled out in the game. You know, that's his moments. He was coming off the bench. So if, if you were at that game against Alabama, you got to see your potentially the future starting point guard for UCF. It's kind of wild as that is. Unfortunately, Murph missed that because he was covering the NCAA tournament in volleyball. volleyball. So.
1: I did. I, I was, I was basketball. That's not, adjacent. That's, that, that's, that's not, that's, that's not nothing to knock. I'm here to say that. Um, all right, <laughs> moving over tennis. What a great historic week. It was for UCF tennis, Eric Lopez, um, we're uh, So both teams, both UCF teams, get into the NCAA tournament. The men's team uh, will face Florida State uh, in the uh, first round of the uh, NCAA tournament, uh, and they will, will play uh, at Gainesville. They're in that Gainesville bracket. Surprise, surprise. UCF team gets to go to Gainesville, despite the fact that uh, they came in second in the conference. UCF men's tennis is in. Um, and then also the women's tennis team—they obviously had an automatic bid—and they are heading um, into the—they uh, head into the NCAA's. But again, they are not hosting, at least not yet, um, since they will be heading to Tallahassee uh, themselves. They will play Alabama in the first round uh, uh, for uh, in this coming uh, weekend. So, uh, in addition to that. A couple of individual uh, champion, uh, champions are actually doubles teams and singles. Uh, actually, were invited to the doubles and singles tournament. Uh, Valeria Zaleva and Ksenia Kuznetsova of UCF, the doubles team, they were an at large selection to the NCAA tournament at the US at the USTA uh, national campus. That's over on the uh, women's side. On the uh, men's side, you had one doubles team and uh, and one. Uh, and one singles go over as uh, at larges uh, on the men's tennis side. Because remember that the team tournament and the singles and doubles tournaments um, were uh, are, are are actually separate events, although they take place at the same place. Um, Bogdan Pavel and Trey Hildebrand are going to the doubles championship as automatic qualifiers, and uh, Gabriel de Camps will go as an at large to the singles. So, Eric big year for UCF tennis just like we were expecting um and uh and well here's here's my question to you uh obviously we're going to see the singles and doubles teams when the tournament starts at Lake Nona but what about the women's and men's teams what are the chances that they can get back to Lake Nona starting with the quarterfinals um that's where that's where that would start at Lake Nona on May 16th the tournament the whole NCAA tennis tournament Uh, At Lake Nona starts with the team quarters, May 16th. Then they go through to the finals, and then they have the singles and doubles tournaments right after through the 25th. So uh, what do you think?
0: Well, the one guarantee, I know one team that's going to be there, and that's you and me, Jeffrey. We're going to be there. Murph, you're welcome to join us. I don't know how it works in your busy schedule with Yankee baseball and UCF baseball during that time (laughs) frame. But we will be out there for that. Look, I think it's a tough draw. By the way, props to you, Jeff. I don't know where – last week you called this. You found the bracketology in tennis who nailed this, mostly because tennis goes by rankings. There is really no committee needed. They just go based on rankings. But props to you because you called this last week. These were pretty much the matchups that, that, that you found.
1: You hear What's that, ladies and gentlemen? Eric Lopez just gave me props live on the that. That's wow. right, brother.
0: Historic moment in the podcast. Um, look, it's a tough draw, right? I think the women, obviously, you would think you – know, they beat Alabama earlier this year. So they've had success against Alabama. Uh, how much of a big deal is home field in tennis? Who knows? But, you know, both teams have to go on the road. That's going to be tough. I would lean towards the women just because they've been more consistent. But, you know, it's a tough road to go on the road in-state. You know, the men's got to play Florida State to get to Florida. Florida's to bet, the number the, three seed, too, I
1: think. In Florida's the midst, a three in national seed, whereas yeah. the
0: FSU's the 11. So I would give use to the women's team who's been the more consistent team. Maybe the, the better shot to get to Lake Nona for the quarterfinals, but they're going to have to do it on the road. It's going to be a tough road. But, hey, look, the fact they're even – this has been a remarkable year. You mentioned it's the first time both programs make the NCAA tournament in the same year. You're shocked by that. Uh, I, I, did I am because
1: they, they've had, you know, peaks, they've had peaks yeah. and valleys, you, and you'd think that at some point over the last 20 years they would have matched up once. And they literally missed each other by wow. one year, I think, several times. But this is the first time that they have both made it the same year.
0: Yeah, which means Kenny's got a hard job. He's been hel- helping out as the media relations for both right. tennis. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what they're gonna do. Is he gonna be back and forth in Gainesville and Tallahassee? It's a two-hour drive, so um, I'm sure he'll get some help. But it's gonna be fun, and it'll be exciting to see how they fare. Um, kind of a bummer that they kind of get treated like softball and baseball has in the past. Softball always got sent to Gainesville, it seemed, and baseball always gets sent to Tallahassee. So that's kind of hot. What happens with tennis here, but. You know, let's see what happens, and, and you know, they're both teams are playing well going in, and I think that's a positive, positive. and John Roddick, he's got experience in the NCAA tournament, uh, when they were there two years ago, they didn't win their first round match, we'll see if they can do it this time, we'll see if the women can win a first round match for the second year in a row, and how far they can go, but truly a remarkable story for this program, to where it was, what Jeff, four or five years ago? Yeah. Um, where it's near the bottom. It was you know let's be honest to be kind it was at the bottom of UCF athletics right I mean Cri- um, it was
1: criminally under invested in it was it, it yeah. the, the, I still feel that those coaches you know deserved a better shake um, that were there but you know like I said that's just me but to see UCF and Danny White invest in tennis to the extent that he has taken well, the higher the let's 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 again the of John, John Rodic
0: huge, huge, huge story. In the sport of tennis, John Roddick was a coach at Oklahoma. They played for the national championship. I mean, that's significant. That's like getting, that would be the equivalent of getting, you know, this year would have been uh, Chris Beard, for example, a Texas Tech to come to UCF or a, uh, you know, a, you know, Dabo Sweeney or Nick's, you know, whatever. To, you know, you make the equation. I mean, John Roddick's one of the, the top coaches in the sport to be not only the head coach of the men's team, but the, be the director of tennis, which means. He gets to pick the women's coach, and what a, what a home run hire that was with Brian to run yeah. the women's program. Just a remarkable job for a credit to Coach Roddick, a, cur, a credit to Brian, uh, the head coach of the women's side, a credit to Danny White for seeing this vision to be, and then to be in that facility with Lake Nona moving their home matches to Lake Nona at the USTA Center, which has drawn tremendous fan support and coverage. Uh, just, a, just a credit to everybody. They deserve it.
1: So, here's your schedule. The key day is going to be Friday, May the 3rd. Uh, both teams are playing on Friday, May the 3rd. The women's team plays Alabama at 2 p.m. in Tallahassee. By the way, they're ranked number 24 in the country, the UCF women's tennis team is. Um, Alabama is number 35 in the country coming in. The men's team, their match starts will, will start as the women's team Teams match is happening at 3 p.m., one hour later, uh, and they are facing uh, Florida State. The UCF men are 29th in the ITA, or 29th, or ranked 29th, and, uh, and the Florida State Seminoles are 27th. So um, that gives you an idea of the challenges that they face ahead. Again, Friday, 2 p.m., the women, 3 p.m., The men, no word on whether or not they're going to have any live video from those people. Well, I know
0: Florida, to their credit, uh, they will have video streaming. Oh, they will? Okay, good. The men's, there's already a link up on UCFKnights.com. Florida, I've worked with Florida over the years in softball tournaments and regionals. They do a great job of putting, televising all their sports. Uh, Florida State, not so much. So we'll see if FSU does or doesn't. I see just
1: a live stats link. I don't see. For now, Um, yeah.
0: So that's unfortunate. Maybe that'll change. Uh, I don't know if the Tennis Channel maybe gets involved or somebody else gets involved, but I know that the Florida one at least will be televised. And look, hey, look, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be fun, and, and I'm looking forward to that and hope for the best for those two programs. But what a job, those two. That's definitely one of the top stories. In fact, uh, the women's team winning the conference championship, I think, was voted on the uh, Swords Awards as their women's sports moment of the year. Tell you how big that is. That's think nice. about that, Women's tennis. The moment of the year in, in women's sports this year in UCF, according to the Swords Awards. Whether they win that in the banner in the Bannerette uh, Awards in the bannies down the road remains to be seen.
1: That's another thing that we're going to have to talk about a little bit later on. All right, let's get take another quick break. When we get back, we'll talk baseball and softball. Uh, when we return, this is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Back after this. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy, with you here as we're going to wrap things up here in our final segment as we look ahead to uh, UCF baseball and softball. And we'll catch you up on some other news and notes from uh, golf and uh, from golf as well <clears throat> as uh, track and field. But I want to start with baseball because, um, well, they got the they, they got the win and the series win over Memphis. It was not easy by any stretch of the imagination. Ah, uh, getting 2 out of 3 against Memphis at home. They won one game 12 to 11 in uh, in a uh, fashion that was a uh, the first game of the series rather 12 to 11 in a fashion that I'm sure they're not thrilled with because they had a huge lead and almost blew it. Mm-hmm. Um lost 7 to 12 uh, lost 12, excuse me 12 to 7 on Saturday and then Sunday um ended up getting the victory 7 to 6 in another nail biter. Uh, And then they had to go to uh, walk off to, yeah, walk off fashion on uh, Sunday to to take the series. And then they got another, uh, they got another extra inning victory on the road at UNF nine to seven on Tuesday. And this is before UCF heads up to New Orleans to face Tulane. So uh, once again, Brian Murphy, where are we now?
2: feeling better about this team than we probably have been at any point in the conference season up till now uh, so, so certainly
1: win is indeed better than a loss <laughs>
2: yes how about that you know it's, it's amazing how that that bit of knowledge never fails um UCF winning the conference the winning the series against Memphis last weekend uh they win two out of three yeah it's all, it's their second conference series win but really the first one all year in which they left the weekend feeling good about themselves. Uh, The the previous conference series win came against USF and they lost the last game of that series Sunday, a a really ugly game. So they kind of left that, that, that weekend pretty sour. Uh, This was obviously the reverse of that. They had a walk-off celebration on, uh, on Sunday when they beat Memphis Jay Lyons, who I'll talk about here in a minute, uh, providing the walk-off single, there was not even a team meeting. Love Lady always holds a team meeting after every game with his guys out in right field. And usually those meetings run pretty long, sometimes uh five, 10 minutes. Uh that meeting for after that game on Sunday was probably about 90 seconds. And uh I because it, it it kind of floored me because I almost missed uh the uh press availability because Love Lady was just ready to talk to the media and I was not there yet. But um so anyway uh we, and we asked him why was it so short?" and he goes, "Well, we didn't need a meeting. We just wanted to scream and get out of there well, there was so much frustration built up with this team that uh that they just they they were so happy to win and, and and get that series uh victory uh a couple of things to mention coming out of that Memphis series Jay Lyons uh is our new lord and savior and I for <laughs> one and and I for one welcome our Jay Lyons overlord uh <laughs> so Jay Lyons is a freshman infielder uh from Tampa, I believe. Who really has not played at all this season? I believe coming into this past week, uh, he had 15 at bats on the season. Uh, he had uh, 13. Uh, he had 15 at bats versus Memphis, and actually 17 if you include the two at bats he had against uh, Bethune Cookman. Uh, he went seven for 17 this past week. He got on base 12 times in 20 plate appearances. He played because that Tyler. O- good? <laughs> that's not bad, Jeffrey. Now I will say I am taking liberties there. I'm, t- I'm i'm sort of I'm sort of spitting narratives because that does include like reaching on fielders' choices <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and reaching and reaching on errors, but you know what he's on base, so it counts in my book even though it doesn't count on base percentage uh, but counts still, seven, or, <laughs>
1: seven
2: for seventeen uh in, in, in those games uh three hits three hits in a couple of those games, and he was playing in place of Tyler O, who really has been this team's i would say best uh best overall Close best overall hitter next to Ray Alejo and Dallas Bieber. He's right around there. Arguably their best player uh, offensively. So Alejo, so Osek gets suspended uh, because he gets ejected from a game the previous weekend. So this is going back to April 20th. He gets ejected. It's the second ejection of the year, which constitutes a three-game suspension for a co- player in college baseball for arguing That's with the umpire. Yeah, three-game suspension if you're, if you're ejected more than once for arguing with an umpire. So Lions has to fill in at first base. And he looks like we, we we mentioned not so lightly, we mentioned the name Wally Pip over the weekend because, oh <laughs> because, because because Lions was playing so well defensively, offensively, he was saving runs with his glove, he was knocking the ball over the yard. It was amazing for a guy who had played so little uh, all season to come out and really carry this team over the past week. Um, it's been it's been fantastic to see. And then, of course, because this is the season of UCF baseball where everything has gone pretty wrong, uh, Lions comes out of the game last night in Jacksonville with some hamstring tightness. Uh, they hope it's not major. Uh, we just don't know yet. We will see. Hopefully, he's available for this series at Tulane.
1: Yeah, he's a graduate of King High School. He's a freshman. He's only five foot eight. Yeah, very stocked kid. Yeah. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of Ronnie Richardson a little bit. Doesn't he remind you mm-hmm. of him? Yeah. A, l- and, a little bit. Yeah. But uh but it's been fun to see him uh d- to see him develop. I mean, it, 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 so quickly, you know. I mean, even his high school numbers were were good. You know, he was uh in uh, as a senior in high school, he was a 286 hitter in 22 games with 18 runs batted in. I mean, it's you know, it's not, not exactly like light, lighting the world on fire, but but it's funny how, you know, you got a guy in the right situation and it works out like that. So yeah.
2: Uh, he, was two for, he was two for 15 before this past week. Then he was seven for 17. I mean, it's, look, it's baseball. Things fluctuate. But when, when Osick came back, he was actually a thing about Tyler Osik here. He was eligible to play on Sunday, but he was held out due to coach's decision. Uh, I think that was sending a message to Tyler Osik about his sort of uh, attitude and, and penalty. It's really a, a sort of a penalty for getting ejected again. Um, so he didn't play Sunday. And then Osick did play Tuesday against North Florida, uh, but Osick batted sixth. Customarily, he bats about second or third. He batted sixth, while Lions batted fifth. And yeah. I think that is hilarious.
1: <laughs> All right, let's, I want to talk about Tulane real quick coming up because yes. they, uh, are right now, Tulane is second place in the league. They're 9-5, and 27-17 overall, second place behind ECU. Uh, and this is in New Orleans. So a tall order nonetheless, but you know, we've seen what Tulane has been able to do. And this is the last conference series before the Knights basically get that bye-week right. where they have no uh, they have no conference game. They again they were gonna get Dayton uh, in here that weekend, but Dayton bailed. Yep. Um so from so from here on out, it's three games against Tulane, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in New Orleans. Then it's Tuesday against Bethune Cookman at home. Then the Knights get eight days off and they go to Miami to play the Canes in Coral Gables on Wednesday or no, what am I saying? That's totally wrong. The next day is uh, the next day after the Bethune game on May 8th, they yeah. go to Miami to play them in Coral Gables. Then they get six days off. I beg your pardon. And then they go, uh, they play a, they, a Tuesday game at Florida Atlantic in Boca before two days later, beginning the final three game set of the regular season. Against the Houston Cougars at home Thursday, May sixteenth, seventeenth, and eighteenth. So, the outlook, Brian Murphy, for this series against Tulane. Are you feeling a little bit better now, or are you still very cautious?
2: Uh, you have to be a little cautious versus Tulane. Now, I will give that? you a couple. I am well, I, getting into that, Jeffrey. Hold your horses. Fine. It's Derby weekend. Hold them. Uh, now, the pitching side for UCF is getting better. I believe Jordan Spicer has basically solidified himself as the Sunday starter. So if you're on Twitter and you follow UCF Baseball on Twitter, you might have been noticing in the last uh, about a month and a half, they've been putting out the pitching rotation matchups for the past every week. And it's always been Grant Sherman, Chris Williams, and some movie baseball player. Some That's a pop total... culture reference. <laughs> Correct. I believe those pop culture references are uh, by the wayside. Now, I believe Jordan Spicer is uh, their Sunday starter. He's pitched really well, I'd say, in the last three or four outings. And that's good for this team. It's also good that David Litchfield is back. Uh, David Litchfield, who was going to be like a high-leverage like high reliever coming into this year, coming off of Tommy John surgery, but then had complications with Tommy John recovery. Didn't know if he'd pitch this year. He actually pitched his first game of the year on Saturday versus Memphis. So all of this is good. And all of this to say that UCF's going to need all of those arms because there's one thing that Tulane does and it's MASH. They absolutely crushed the baseball. <laughs> and it's amazing. And so, um, so, first of all, uh, I think uh, when you talk about Tulane, the first thing I want to mention is Cody Hosey. So, Cody Hosey is a guy last year. He had a nice year. He had five home runs. And he was a decent hitter, whatever. Uh, this year, he's having a bit of a better season. He is, uh, has a 408 average. He has 21 home runs. 21 that's that's tied for the lead in all of america uh i believe his ops is around 1300 is that good because i think that's good that's and pretty then good. he and then he's not like the only guy who's good on this team there are five guys on this team who are hitting above 330 there are three guys and the other two names escape me because i can't i'm flailing I'm through my tabs and i had the names all listed and i can't find them but unfortunately uh there are there are three other guys in this in this in this on this team. Uh, well, two other guys besides Hosey, who are among the top ha- among the top six in the American and things like hits and and uh, slugging percentage. Uh, Graham average. Witherspoon,
1: I think, is one of them, and he's hitting well, three thirty no. this year. This and is a, this, uh, this is well, no one is actually
2: uh, Trevor Je- Trevor Jensen. The other one is Hudson Hudson Haskin. So those gotcha. so those two guys with Hosey are among the top, even top 100 of the nation in hits and, uh, and runs batted in and, and all these hitting categories. So this, this team mashes, like, spectacularly. It's amazing. Hosey is a guy who was probably not on any MLB draft radars going into last year, and now this year he's probably going to be a top 40 pick. He might be taken in the first round because no matter what, if you slug 21 home runs in college in April – through April, you're, you're going to play somewhere. Uh, of course, there is a there is a there is another side to this coin, and it's that Tulane can't pitch at all.
0: <laughs> so, so
2: well, then. in the last, so
0: They're in the last, last 17- in the American and ERA, in fact, in conference games to back Murph part, uh, point up, Tulane in conference games ERA as a staff is near seven. It's at six eighty six.
1: Wow. Yes.
2: that's it's. 5.82 Ooh. overall for the year, 6.86 in conference.
0: 6.68, excuse me, 6.68 ERA in conference. There
2: in their last like – that's, that's hard to do on purpose. <laughs> in, their, in their last 17 games, it's not a small sample size. In their last 17 games, basically a month of baseball, they've given up, they've given up 146 runs. That's a lot. And a so lot of they,
0: offense this weekend, like we just saw with Memphis, right, Mer?
2: You would hope that UCF breaks their offense and that their, their soft tossers and Sherman and Williams can 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 slow those bats down a little bit. But again, this is a team into in, in Tulane, who by the way uh, just uh, lost two out of three uh, at ECU last weekend. The team, the best team in the conference, they lost two out of three. Um, and in those games, they lost fourteen nothing. They lost eight two, and then they won nine to eight. Then they then they lost against New Orleans. Yesterday, fourteen and nine. This is a fun team to watch because, because they can't be like for- four hour. These
0: are gonna be four hour games, aren't there? no yeah. under is hey, like, Runners, what three forty five. We could put it out there on in lines here. Uh, easily, three forty five.
2: I'm not gonna be there, so they can play all night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, look, it's gonna be you could cook it's the a fun gumbo
1: fun. in that amount
2: of time. It's great. Oh man, but it should be fun. I mean, yeah, there's probably gonna be a game somewhere this weekend where UCF. I think gets it handed to them because that's what Tulane does to you at one point in a weekend, but there are definitely going to be, we- there's definitely be a couple days I believe where UCF's bats are going to, are going to, are going to feast. And it's going to be, there's going to be some fun parts this weekend. And we'll
1: just see if they can go two out of three again. All right. So at least they're, you know, they're coming in off of that two game. By the way, season. can, that's and, also can I, can also. I,
0: can I also spare some optimism here, right? Just a little, sh- just very quietly. I'm going to say this. Yes. Quietly have moved up to 67 in the RPI. Nah. Best RPI in the league. Oh, follow me on this, boys. Tulane this weekend. Tulane you know, they got it. This is a big series for them. Their RPI is at 83, so they're nowhere near a lot in NCAA. In fact, a lot of the projections right now have the American as a three-bid league with Houston on the bubble um, as the third team joining UConn and ECU. But follow me on this. After Tulane, they got Bethune, who's obviously terrible RPI. At Mm -hmm. Miami, who has a top 10 RPI. At FAU, which Brian Murphy will be at, 45 RPI. They finish with Houston, RPI 44. I'm just saying, if this team finishes strong here, down the stretch, little Kentucky Derby week here, down the stretch we come, boys. (laughs) They're coming down the mile there. Maybe this team with a nice little run in Clearwater and a strong finish can sneak through the back there by a hair, by a length, is that how they call it in the derby there? By a length. Gets to the that's pole. D- By a nose. To the tournament. Oh. Thank you. By the nose. A, a, photo la Sunday, a la Sunday silence in 1989 when he edged out Easy Gore.
1: What? what? Did you P- just P- pull that that's, out? Are you serious? That, that, that's, that's, going, huh? that's going way deep, man. I was holy. was Easy Gore fan. I was not a Sunday. Way deep. Fan. Back in <laughs> All right. I love this. Uh, d- diving in. All right. So So that game will that that set against Tulane will be uh in New Orleans Friday Saturday uh and Sunday. I don't think we have any video for that, is that right? Yeah, I don't think
0: we Tulane should have video. I don't know if it's free, but they'll have video.
1: All right. Uh we'll have to keep we'll have to keep you updated on that one. Softball Eric Lopez. Um well, here we are. Uh it's uh, they got the victory over uh UNF earlier today. You were there. Uh, for that victory but right now the team is 31 and 20 but eight and 10 in the American after losing two out of three uh at home against Houston who uh again I mean we, we Houston is one of the top three teams in the American they're actually in third place at 10 and seven South Florida leads the league at 16 and two Tulsa's at 14 and four but the Knights right now are in fifth. And uh, and they're below 500 in the league at eight and ten right now, and they only have this last uh, this last set of uh, it was senior weekend at UCF, so uh, their final three game series of the season is on the road at Memphis, and the Tigers are three and fourteen in the conference, second to last, twenty two and twenty eight overall, and yet Eric Lopez UCF softball right this moment. Is 54th in the latest RPI. That's so, correct,
0: and that's correct. And if you go to fast probably pitch going, news. Dr-
1: it's probably going to drop though, isn't it? With yeah. these three games against Memphis. Yeah, okay.
0: Memphis is not uh, not a good year this year. They're rebuilding this year, so even when they play those games, that'll drop a little bit. If you go to fastpitchnews.com, uh, Smart Man has his bracketology there on fastpitchnews.com, and you would know I'm that UCF is among the last teams out uh, at the moment in the NCAA tournament. Uh, yeah, look. They're probably going to have to win the conference tournament, to be honest, Um, at least make it to the final in Houston next week to really have a shot to make the tournament. Um, They're not going to benefit from the North Florida win or the Memphis win from that standpoint, outside of intangibles like confidence, because I thought they swung the bat well on Wednesday against uh, UNF. So, you know, that's what they got to do. They got to build confidence. They should, you know, hopefully you hit Memphis, you win that series. They're probably uh, based on the odds. Again, just like the Kentucky Derby. They're probably going to be on the five post for the American Conference Championship there, uh, which means they could play in either Wichita State or Houston in the opening round of the Conference Championship. It's a single elimination. It's going to be a tough draw.
1: Right.
0: But, you know, if UCF can make a run to the finals, they can have shots. So they've got to build. This is what this week's about. They've got to continue the momentum in Memphis, what they started on Wednesday, which was they hit the ball very well against North Florida, uh, really swung the bats, got a double digits in hits. Cassidy Brewer tied the program record for most doubles in a single season. She had two doubles in Wednesday's win. She now has 16 doubles uh, this year. That ties the record. Abby McLean in 2009, Hillary Barrow in 2009, and uh, one of Jeff's favorite, Rochelle Schmidt, in 2002. Roach. They all had 16. There you go. Uh, 16 doubles. They, by the way, Roche works now with the Houston Astros, by the way, at the, those Astros home games. Um, so they all have six. 16 doubles. That's the tie. So, Cassidy just tied that record. So, hopefully they can build that momentum against Memphis this weekend. Uh, they're, two, they're a game up on UConn for fifth. But keep in mind, they have a tiebreaker on UConn because they swept UConn at home earlier this year. So, in reality, it's a two-game lead. A UCF win and a Connecticut loss, which I think will happen. UConn's hosting Tulsa, and I think UCF will beat Memphis, should lock up the five seed for UCF. They, in theory, can move up to a 3C, but it's almost improbable. They would need Houston to get swept by the worst team in the league in East Carolina. That's not going to happen. And they would need Wichita to get swept by USF, which could happen, but that doesn't matter because, you know, that's a 4-5 matchup. So for UCF this week, I think you're hoping to build momentum and confidence, especially at the plate, to go into that conference tournament at Houston.
1: So as I'm looking at how this is going to break down, like assuming that's where I I would think, and this will be my last bit on this, but I would think that if they're going to maximize their chances of getting into the, uh, the NCAAs aside from the fact that they would probably need to win the tournament outright anyway, obviously you would want Wichita state, but would you, would they prefer to play Houston in the first round since Houston is 35 and 16, um yes, 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 23 uh, yes, yes. okay
0: as strange as it sounds even though houston's the home team you would actually prefer assuming ucf's going to be the five seed okay which i think they're going to yeah. be yeah
1: wichita's rpi actually, is 73 by correct, the way houston is 36.
0: 36 Keep in right. mind right and keep in mind ali only started one of those games against houston so don't read too much into that houston series this weekend um I think the coaching staff was kind of thinking ahead here. Hey, we, you know, we're going to need a lead in the conference championship, single elimination. You don't want to, you know, make sure that a potential opponent in the near future sees her a lot. So hmm. you would go through Houston. Then you would play a South Florida team within the RPI in the 20s who, quite frankly, yes, they swept you. But it wasn't like, a you know, it could have gone either way. So I think they feel that they could play with anyone. It wasn't like, wow, this team was just so much better than us. I think they feel like if they would have swung the bats better in certain situations, they could have beaten South Florida when they hosted yeah. them, and they could have beaten Tulsa. So I don't, think, I don't think they feel like, wow, there's this team and then there's everybody else. I think there's – you can make an argument, five teams, Jeff, and we'll get into this more next week when we preview the tournament. I think there's five teams that can win this tournament in Houston uh, next week. So I think it's wide open. I think for UCF the key is to just build the confidence – that you started with the North Florida, started swinging the bats, continue that into Memphis, and you hope you're, 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 hit, you're playing very well going into Houston. Keep in mind, too, final exams are over now at UCF. So a lot right. of these players now, who you know, not to make an excuse, but it's reality, and you know this, Jeff, having worked there, it's tough to play when you're playing during finals week. And I, that also is a factor going yeah. into the Houston series. They don't have to uh, worry about that anymore. They can just be softball players for the next two weeks. So yeah. I and think then of course, might, that might help them. And of
1: course if they if they get through, assuming that they're in the four or five in the first round, and again, like you said, a single elimination, which as you'd well know, I hate.
0: We'll in get softball. into that next week. Save it for next right. week. Um hurt be the tiebreaker. They
1: they would likely play South Florida the one seed in the second round.
0: Right. Which I like because yeah. in theory, that's gonna force Ken's knowing Ken like I do, my guess is what he'll do in the first round. He's gonna He's going to try and gamble and save his ace, Corrick, for the semis. He'll probably throw his senior, Doyle, and try to save Corrick for the semis. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, I personally think, if you want my honest opinion, I think UCF's going to end up playing Wichita State in the opening round. I think Houston is going to sweep East Carolina. I think Houston's going to be the three seed. I think South Florida will wrap up the regular season title. I think Tulsa will be the two seed. And I think Wichita State will be the four seed. And I think that's who UCF's going to play. And the thing about it is, they can hit Wichita State pitching. They have, if they, if, if they're, cap- they're capable of doing it, they don't have to dominate pitching. They can hit them. Uh, they just have to do it. And that's what this season's going to be defined one way or the other on how this team hits. And one of the reasons why they've struggled the last few weeks is because they haven't hit, in particular with runners on base, when they've had our opportunities. They did that on Wednesday. You hope that's a positive sign moving
1: forward. That's why he softball, Woj, ladies and gentlemen. Eric Lopez catching up on right. UCF softball. All right, did you like the
0: five-post up- liner there, Murph? Did you like that in the 5 post? You
1: know, uh, I am. I am so fired up right now. I, I actually, is the only person I know who actually takes ho- horse racing seriously. I'm
2: drinking I right now. I am currently drinking <laughs> the official bourbon of the Kentucky Derby. Woodford, to- Re- Woodford Reserve. I can barely pronounce it because I've had so much of it. Uh, uh, by it, the way, it, by it, the
0: way, it, it's <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: uh, Don't make me take I, this uh, out, please. Um, <laughs> no, I'm good. By
0: the way, as I change quickly here uh, to answer your earlier question, Jeffrey, the Tulane series is premium video. They're Tulane All Access. Uh, so uh, the be- uh, What I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to ESPN Plus. Nankles
1: cannot get here fast enough.
2: Yeah. And, uh, hey, the, the hey UCF UCF baseball's game last night against North Florida was on
1: ESPN yes, Plus. I know so, I dude, watched but it, but because of the A Sun, is that right?
0: Correct. I believe so. TV. Okay. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. It's the A Sun. It has the TV package there. Right. Uh, plus, they already have that agreement. So, yes, if you want a video, it's going to be on Tulane All Access Video. It is premium. Uh, you could just do what I'm going to do is just listen to Mark Daniels, either on the radio if you're in the car or online on the, uh, on the app, so on the iHeart app. Uh, Memphis, soft- Memphis video is free. So you right. can watch softball for free at Memphis uh, this weekend.
1: Couple things I wanted to uh, wrap up as we get through. So the uh, so UCF uh, track and field uh, finished up at the Tom Jones Memorial in Gainesville. That was their last meet before the American Athletic Tom Conference Jones. outdoor uh, championships. Yes, no, not that Tom Jones. Okay, uh, they finished in fourth in the four by four hundred relay, and uh, Janae Carter uh, third in the hammer throw, and Gabby Durant was fourth in the hammer throw. So they also uh, fourth in the shot put in this. And uh, what is a, 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 a matter or a meet that uh, UCF goes to obviously every year is one of the key meets in the southeast as they get ready for uh, the outdoor championships for the conference, which are going to be held in Wichita Saturday, May 11th, Sunday, May 12th uh, with the NCAA preliminaries. Scheduled to be Thursday, May 23rd. Scheduled to start Thursday, May 23rd. We'll see if UCF makes that. And uh, some golf news, obviously. UCF Women's Golf has earned a trip to the regionals. Uh, they uh, will be playing. Uh, they are the number 13 seed. They're in the Cle Elum region. That's a place. Cle Elum, Washington. Um, UCF is heading all the way out west. Uh, and, and they will play uh, May 6th through the 8th at Tumble Creek Golf Club uh, just outside of Seattle. And uh, the UCF men's golf team did not make the NCAA tournament. However, two players did. Uh, Kyler Tate and Bobby By have been selected to play as individual wildcards in the NCAA Myrtle Beach uh, Regional. They'll be played at TPC Myrtle Beach. Um, And they're one of 45 people, uh, 45 individuals selected um yeah individually so uh, they were all they're both all aac uh all conference performers um and uh they will be and those tournaments will take place may 13th through the 15th so uh keep an eye on that all right let's wrap this thing up real quick fellas um murph other than preparing for the derby such as you are at the moment um what, what what do you have on tap what are we going to be well, following you i with mean
2: did you expect me to talk about something else <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> uh how many I more will, weeks until the hamiltonian or do we miss that wow no, that's look at, right look at
2: you jeffrey so hey, cute. look
1: it's east east rutherford's east rutherford's premier horse racing event
2: i know um i will be riding tomorrow uh, it's if because if I can get those, if, for those well, tuning in, excuse, yeah, right. It's Wednesday now. If oh I can get boy. the video, if, if I can get the video on the site, uh, which <laughs> which I'm not sure because I've not tried it yet, I'll be posting. An article try it about, now. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> well, it'll be great. I'll be I'll be posting an article about uh, Greg Lovelady Lady uh, and his thoughts uh, about the resolution last week or t- about ten days ago now. The resolution in baseball and softball in Division One that failed. It was the resolution to add a third paid assistant to college uh, baseball and softball programs across Division One. It was the it was only a resolution to give programs the option to pay a third assistant on those programs. But that resolution failed. There has been a cavalcade of backlash over the no vote. Uh, people not understanding why this was voted down, and I am one of them. It doesn't make sense why you would say no to to something that only gives you the option to do something uh and so love lady is in that same camp he had some uh he, again he's never one to to uh to, to he's not very he's not very short with his words he's, uh, he's very expressive and uh he had some pretty good things to say to me last week that i will uh, put up uh, into an article tomorrow thursday uh and he's not happy with what the uh, has transpired
1: yeah we don't have time to get into it that, that right now in this show but i do want to discuss that with you guys because it's, it's just uh,
0: fans if you're looking
1: for how for just the the, the screwed upness of the ncaa well, um this is not the ncaa the boys-
0: no, no 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 but hold on jerry let me correct you that's just, this is not the ncaa this was the administrators this was nothing to again let's clarify this, this normally we rip on the ncaa right. this is nothing to do with the ncaa this was the representatives mostly administrators from universities that were representative of these conferences that kind of uh, kind of went against some of their,
1: but how this, but how this all went down is such an, and such yeah. a, how the NCAA can screw things up story, because remember the NCAA does a lot of the decisions that it makes like this are through this sort of congressional process involving the schools and representatives and, right. um, and the nexus between the coaches and the administrators, the athletic directors, et cetera. So we will talk about this uh, at a future show. Hopefully next week, once we get uh, you know, once we get a little bit more information on it, and once we get the chance to read your piece, Brian Murphy.
2: Also, you can Sorry, you can because this story is not going anywhere. So this story is gonna have legs for a while. Yeah, yeah. And it's something. Yeah, it's the we, hottest
0: topic right now, and I can tell you in college baseball and college softball off the field, it's been it's been a hot topic.
1: Yeah. Uh, Lopez, what you got?
0: Well, I was going to say, you know, you mentioned earlier about track playing and the Tom Jones there. I mean, with uh, hopefully having success at track and field and men's golf, having some individuals and the tennis success. Maybe the, the, the appropriate term would be it's un, it's un, not unusual anymore for UCF teams to have success. Very, no, very well
1: done. Saw <laughs> Thank that you. one coming, but it was well done. Thank
0: you. 1965 hit. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I will be, uh, you know, watching, uh, getting ready, actually, obviously following the softball. I got a lot of, Actually, I got an interview. I'm going to be on an, an inner circle television show. It's a softball show that airs weekly across the country and online. I'm going to be on that this weekend. Cause I am the, the what is softball woes? You call me, Jeffrey.
1: Softball uh, woes.
0: I got Fred Bracketology for fast pitch news, which is going to down the stretch here. So I'm going to be on that. So I'm going to be occupied on that. And also we're going to be following all the UCF teams here, Jeff, cause you and I are kind of working on this project on this. Is this the greatest year in the history of UCF athletics across the board? And we're keeping track. It, it's, it's on its way to possibly being that, right? So we got to run uh, the numbers.
1: We're running the numbers to see the win yeah. win loss records for all the different programs Uh-oh. across the last, I would say, twenty years, approximately twenty years since I, the short- UCF softball program was started. I think that's kind of our that's that's our that's our starting point, one two thousand two. So good. um so if we short- can it. figure that out, um we're gonna be we're, we're gonna be trying to figure out. Uh, which year was the winningest among the team sports for UCF. So that should be interesting.
0: That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing how that every year stacks up. So we're working on that. Um, I, will be, I will be in the same place that Brian Murphy will be on Tuesday, UCF Bethune-Cookman at the, mm-hmm. at the John, John Leonardo Park. I will have a more upstairs view than Murph is. Murphy is in the, as I call it, the Brian Murphy press box down on the, uh, what do you, what, where is it exactly? It's right by the third baseline.
2: It's, a lot, it's on the concourse at the third baseline. It's really a plastic picnic table, but you can call it the Briarly box. Shape
1: of, it's in the shape of a box.
2: It's a table, Jeff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> table Outside. Anyway, I will be upstairs. This <laughs> voice will be calling that base. We'll be on the broadcast for the baseball. All right. All
1: right. There, there
0: we right go. Out. Yeah. Help it out. Team player.
1: Mervs
0: go. right. so Mur- is going to remind me, like, in the bottom, in the seventh inning, not to leave, because I'm used to leaving after seven <laughs>
1: innings.
0: So Murphy, <laughs> actually, don't leave.
1: Very <laughs> well. Right. We've got uh, that and a lot more uh, coming this week. Uh, we'll be looking again, uh, kind of breaking down some of the undrafted free agents. We'll be taking a look at what uh, what you were talking about, Eric Lopez uh, and Brian Murphy. Luke Saris is also uh, working on a couple of things as well. He wanted to give a Johnny Dawkins report card, so we're looking forward to that whoa, and plenty whoa, more here. Covers. On I know, I know. Uh plenty more to come here on Black and Gold Banneret and blackandgoldbannerette.com, your home for UCF sports on the SB Nation Network. Don't forget, I want to thank also Jeremy Brenner for joining us. Make sure you follow him. at. Good Jeremy. luck to your Rockets there, Brenner. Jeremy. Have fun. Right, just hang in there. Hang in there. Fear the beard. Give me six
0: games, man. Just give me six. <laughs> oh,
1: uh, and uh, and thanks again to everyone on staff. Thanks again to you guys. Don't forget to follow us uh, at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. I am at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric's at Eric Lopez. Elo O'Brien's at Spokes underscore
0: That's where Murph's going to tweet out this week in his Kentucky Derby pick.
1: That's right. Look, guys, Omaha Beach got scratched. It's a huge deal. Omaha
0: Whoa. Beach got scratched? Okay. Got scratched.
2: He had an trapped an Epiglottis. And for a, Hordes, that's not good.
0: Do you have a problem with Mike I don't being a part of the Derby coverage, by the way, Murph. Why? No,
2: I think, I think Tirico's strong.
0: Kind of miss Tom Hammond,
2: though. Well, the, yeah, the Tom uh, yeah, uh, Tom Hammond's getting
1: a little long in the tooth.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: Bob, no Bob Costas
2: anymore. Well, Costas. He, yeah, he wasn't very. He and NBC did not part on great terms.
0: No. Are you excited He's that right. Von Miller is going to be part of the cover?
2: Whoa. Well, I I'm, know. I'm, 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 I'm most excited wow. to see what Von Miller wears. I swear to God, that's, that, that, that's going to be great. Please,
1: please, dear God, let Von Miller wear a hat. I beg you to please let know. Oh, him. God, he I, has to. He has yeah, to. I
0: feel like uh, easy money, even money, right?
1: For all your That's, Kentucky Derby yeah. breakdowns, make sure you follow Murphy <laughs> <Spokes laughs> right. on Twitter. For, for Brian Murphy and Eric Lopez, let's get out of here before I start looking at the pair of uh, for, for Brian Murphy and Eric Lopez, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Panerat Podcast. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you later.